0: Evening on. 5432. This feed has been intercepted by Operation Switcheroo. We control
1: what you listen to now. Stand by for a podcast about something. They are located at a podcast about something.com. Or on Twitter at APA something. Something. Nothing. Anything. And everything. A podcast about something.
0: On for the ride. Hello and welcome to a podcast about something where each week we dive deep into whatever it is we find interesting. I'm your host Calvin and joining me from the hot gates is your co-host Nick Richardson.
1: Hey man, it's, uh, it's a pretty pretty hot day out here out at the Hot Gates, which oh. gets its name from hot springs.
0: Does it? I see. I didn't know that. And for you guys who are uninitiated, we are going to be talking about the Battle of Thermopylae today, which yes, uh, sir, that's where the Hot Gates come from. Just just in case you were wondering. It's the hot gate. you got to enunciate that. I mean, you you so can hot. if you want to. I'm just going to say it like <laughs> a normal, regular person says things. So, yeah, you know,
1: whatever. people will probably close out if I start going hot all the time. So, yeah, hot, hot it is. Yeah,
0: let's get <laughs> just go with hot. hot. I'm good with that. Um, so, yeah, the Battle of Thermopylae uh, from the year uh, 480-ish BC uh, between the Greeks and the Persians. So, what was your introduction to this this battle? Because for me personally, uh, freshman year of college, I had to read just this terribly, terribly boring book about it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I want to say probably eight months before 300 came out. And I had no – like 300 was not on my radar. I had no idea who Zack Snyder was, didn't know the movie was coming out. But like I read this book, barely, fell asleep most times trying to read it. (laughs) Uh, wrote the paper on it, mostly forgot about it. 300 comes out on DVD, so this would probably have been a year and a half later. I watched the movie, I'm like, holy shit, this is that terrible book I read. <laughs> the movie was much better than that book. I couldn't yeah. even tell you the name of the book, but it was for a history class, and it was not good.
1: Most of those are pretty dry. The difference is in The Professor. Um, this dude, Professor was
0: not great. It was like, because he would do this thing that was like, alright, you guys read this book, and when, you know, at the end of the three weeks I give you to read the book, we'll, we'll write the paper on it. But during that time, we're going to just study completely different things. Like, so it wasn't like classes every day on that book. It was, you guys read this book in three weeks, we'll do one class on it and you guys will turn in your papers. So that is weird.
1: Here's this dry ass book, read it in your spare time and uh, good luck. Yeah. We'll be back. We'll come (laughs) back to dude. Yeah. That would immediately make me like that book a whole lot less. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, it was
0: it was like one of those things. Like, okay, it's got to be done in three weeks. So, like, every time you get bored, you just put it down. Like, I'll finish it later. That I don't think I even finished it, to be honest.
1: Yeah, you do, that's when the internet started coming around, you know, yeah, big time. So it's like, okay, what spark notes? Let's yep. go. <laughs> Been there, brother.
0: Got me. Got me a C on the paper. That's all I need.
1: That's all that matters. You gotta get that passing. So, what was your but, introduction? Yeah, mine. Uh, um. I, you know, my dad, history buff, blah, 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 but he had a book on the Peloponnesian Wars, okay. um, which, th- you know, had a little segment in there. So I, I read it, couldn't comprehend it as a kid, you know, a young kid. So my real introduction was high school, um, which was your standard, you know, in the Battle of Thermopylae, and the Spartans are amazing, and they're impervious to, to everything, but they all died. So, you know, beware of that. Uh, I'm curious to everything
0: which, except death.
1: Yes, death comes for us all, my friend. Yes. Uh, not today. Not today. It's a little preview
0: God. for next week for you people out there.
1: Right, we got to get this one out in the yeah. first place. When I got to college, is when it got really fun. Mm-hmm. I had to read one of those dry ass books, again, you know, again. I wonder if it was the same my book. Professor, possibly. Had like um, an
0: orange cover. That's all I remember about it.
1: Mine had a guy that just looked way too happy to be digging in the mud. <laughs>
0: he, <laughs> no, that wasn't the he same. Just one. Said,
1: he looked like I don't know Nigel Thornberry come to life, <laughs> and he's just like, yay! Um, but my professor was fantastic, Doc Roberts. Shout he, out, Doc uh, Doc Roberts. If you're probably dead by now, Oof. but <laughs> he was old as shit. All right, Doc. He, <laughs> He, uh he'd always talk about, I'm going to go home and crack open a Milwaukee's best. <laughs> that was like the highlight of his weekend, but he was a fantastic professor and he, I mean, we spent like three weeks on the battle
0: oh, analyzing
1: nice. it. Oh, it was super fun.
0: I would have much rather done that than the other things we were doing in that class or trying to read this book. Like the, the first like eight chapters of this book were dedicated to like the Persian dynasty and Xerxes family tree and King Darius before and all this bullshit that was just like. It was like, I don't know, I can't even relate it to anything. It was just like reading, like, this guy was this guy's father. And then he attacked this place and got this uh, region into the Persian control. And then he died. And then the next guy came along and he got a different region in the Persian control. And they had six million warriors. Like, it was just numbers and dates and people and places. But it wasn't like... Let's talk about the battle, and then it finally got to the battles in like the last six chapters, and that part was fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's they uh, they gotta fill up them pages somehow. Yeah, they, the first I mean, eight
0: chapters were the Persian dynasty, and then they did like five on what who the and what the Spartans were and Leonidas and his family. tree. And It's like Jesus Christ, just land the plane. Let's let's kill some Persians here.
1: Let's do it for Sparta, son.
0: Yeah, this is Sparta.
1: This is Sparta. Such a good. But anyway <laughs>
0: we we're not gonna talk too much about the movie uh we've both seen it obviously yes. um it, but it was I just watched like the first half of it today I was trying to fit the whole thing in just didn't have time I actually had to like work and stuff today it was rough uh, but yeah but um it's it's surprisingly accurate um it it really to, is honestly. yeah it it's I think it's ex- as accurate as we can expect f- for a movie that's about a battle that happened twenty five hundred years ago, that's made by the guy who also brought a sucker punch. Like, that's what you get
1: when you got Zack Snyder.
0: Yeah,
1: it's directing his a movie over interpretation. Yeah. Well, and and I'll I'll touch on a point about that later on when we kind of reach it about sucker I, punch. No. Yeah, we're gonna three hundred talk
0: will be at the end of the. Uh, uh, towards the end, but we will talk a little 300. Um, there, there's a bit of conflation between because there are two Persian invasions of Greece, and so the movie kind of conflates both of them, like facts from both of them to make this story mm-hmm. more interesting.
1: It helps but, make it make it make sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, because like otherwise you'd have the first 20 minutes of the movie explaining Darius and the Xerxes family tree <laughs> and who the <laughs> Spartans are.
1: Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta <laughs> do. Turn
0: into that book I read. So yeah, we'll talk 300 a little bit, but for the most part. We want to focus on the battle. What scholars think happened during the battle? Like nobody actually knows. It's a lot of uh, guesswork, uh, yeah. educated guesswork, not by us, by other people who are much smarter than us, or at least much smarter than me.
1: Um, me too. I don't claim to be a historian. <laughs> Most of these people were in that field. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, I did a lot of Wikipedia research, so noise. That's, that's uh, as good as I can bring to it.
1: Well, I'm sure in your Wikipedia research you came across the name Herodotus. Yes. Uh if,
0: he's one of the guys.
1: Yep, he's one of the the main players who kind of I mean, he's the historian of the western world. We know a lot from Herodotus.
0: Seem to inflate the numbers of this battle quite a bit though.
1: Big time, big time. But luckily I did find some numbers um that's kind of between him and two other guys that actually, you know, sounds about right. You know, his numbers where they actually had The same, roughly the same within a hundred or two. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to take those numbers, but not his 2 million. And, you know, this guy's 120 K. Right. Yeah.
0: So but kind of want to give a background of kind of what led to the battle and, and who the different factions involved were. Um, so pretty much, like I said, this was the, the Battle of Thermopylae happened during the second invasion of Greece by the Persians. Uh, the first one was failed by, uh, King Xerxes' father, King Darius. Um, Darius the Great. Was he the Great? <laughs> I, I believe was that was Darius, Darius the Great.
1: One. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I'm almost positive that's Darius they the Great. He probably called himself
0: Darius the Great, just as Xerxes called himself God King, but, you know, whatever. These guys, a lot of, a lot of made up nicknames, you know, self-proclaimed nicknames back in the day.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, you could claim you're a god and people would believe it, so. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: once you conquer and subjugate them, they're willing to believe anything that's going to keep yep. them alive, too.
1: Uh, I don't know about believe, but they'll go along with it. Because right, Because people, exactly. people like to live.
0: So the Persians uh, reached Greece during the Spartan celebration of Carnea, which it was, it. it's basically their harvest festival, I want to say. And <laughs> they, the Spartans can't do battle during Carnea. Well, Uh, it was was
1: also the Olympic Games as well, so they had a – that was pretty much the double jeopardy, you do not engage in warfare or else.
0: Leonidas uh, decided to consult the Oracle of Delphi and was given a prophecy. I'm going to read the prophecy, try and stay with me here. "O O ye men who dwell in the streets of broad Lacedaemon. Honor the festival of the Carnea. Otherwise, either your glorious town shall be sacked by the children of Perseus, or in exchange must all through the whole Laconian country mourn for the loss of a king descendant of Her- of the great Heracles. So basically, hey guys, don't fight. Yeah, We're good.
1: Don't fight. And uh, Leonidas, this is about you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I Just will say after consulting out, with the Leo. oracle, um, he still took his case to you know the elders whatever you want to call it um
0: i thought it was the other way well in the movie they portray it the other way around he goes to the elders and they consult the oracle either way it doesn't matter he talks to everyone trying to let them you know be like hey let me go well th- what's nobody's giving that them.
1: is one big difference actually the elders did but not in the way they well, kind of they saw it as a you know a big enough threat that after dealing with you know an almost losing the whole country during the Battle of Marathon and, uh, you know, the Athenians mm. win. They knew he was a, they knew Xerxes wasn't playing. Um, no. and he has uh,
0: not fuck around. Well,
1: and I mean, he did some crazy feats that they didn't depict in 300 and a lot of people don't know. Like he connected pontoon boats to cross the Hellespont. So they had that in the back of their mind. That's that dope. is crazy. That is an amazing feat of engineering. And I mean.
0: Yeah, Nick did a lot more research for this than I did. I, I had a pretty stacked week at work. Uh, so he's going to be throwing this shit at me all day. And I, I'm, I I love it. I I really like the idea of this battle, which is weird because of my first introduction mm-hmm. to it was so, so terrible. Dry. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, but, like, so I was like, I this is just stupid, I would never be into it, but, like, just, just the idea behind it of everything that went into it and how it moved along progress for the Greeks is kind of cool.
1: It's super fascinating, and, I mean, it's one of the hinge points of history, which which yeah. I just fascinates the shit out of me. We'd
0: we'd all be Asian right now if this didn't happen. Oh, probably. man. We'll, we'll get to that, we'll get
1: to that. <laughs> but, yeah, they uh... – you know, so he he has made this giant army come with him, and I mean, they hugely inflate numbers most of the time, but it's still massive. And uh, to move them along while crossing the Hellespont and just starting to roll up towns, so I mean, there's fear brewing among a non fearful people,
0: which no, I yeah, the the Spartans, uh, they they're always ready for battle.
1: That's what that's and what they, so they
0: do. It's, it's weird to see them not like be a little uh, hesitant to go into a battle. But yeah, like you said, he, Leonidas, you know, he consulted the Oracle. He consulted the elders. The elders kind of went along with him, uh, basically bringing his bodyguard, his 300 bodyguards to battle. And that's how they got there is they, he couldn't call his full army, couldn't Mm -hmm. go into full on war, but he could, you know, Go for a soul yeah. with his bodyguard,
1: go scout, as they put it in the movie. But yeah. they also only took those 300 men that had sons, which I thought was super yes. dope as well, because I think you would have to, to give into that as like, I don't know, you'd have to make that concession, because then you're not costing the state anything, and ultimately, the state right, of they Sparta. They, they have
0: of warriors to replace exactly. the warriors you're about to exactly. lose. Cuz everybody everybody kind of knew going in that this is a suicide
1: right. mission. Right, and he didn't have the full support of the state. So he was going to have to get it on the way, which is crazy when you think about it. Like, hey, go out there and see if you can get some people.
0: And there were um there were like yeah, there were several factions involved. We have the Spartans and the Persians, and then there were uh several other greek factions in there as well helping the spartans you know give us a little background on on all these people there was on, on who was in the battle. there was quite a
1: few actually that made up the um you know the compilation of greek city-states of greeks yeah. uh, but the big players were athens um mm-hmm. obviously the democratic seat of ancient greece <laughs> like it's one of shout out the, athens. Yep, thank you for thinking big thoughts you guys are great. Yeah,
0: because thinking,
1: really. <laughs> you are awesome, and democracy is a little bit messed up right now, but it's pretty cool. I'd rather be in a democracy than communism. That's for damn sure.
0: Or under Persian control. Right? Um,
1: yeah. But they had the Navy, so they had what Sparta did not. Obviously. Well, and they Ooh.
0: at the same time as the battle. We should probably uh, mention this: that at the same time as the Battle of Thermopylae, there was a naval battle going on at Artemisium. Yes, um, which was mostly between Athens and the Persians as well. So that these two battles are going concurrently, and uh, what happens at Thermopylae ends up helping kind of what's going on at Artemisium in the end. Of
1: it. Absolutely, and that was thanks to Athens' massive buildup before the war. The tri- they they ordered, I want to say, 1,000 triremes, which is, you know, obviously mm. crap. There was probably 100, which is still... That's some Euron Greyjoy shit. <laughs> Hopefully, they didn't have any... Build ones.
0: me 10,000 ships. Oh, they're done next week. You come pick them yep. up.
1: Oh, cool. Here I am. I need 20,000 men across the sea in four hours.
0: Westeros <laughs> isn't that big. It's okay. Yeah,
1: it's, it takes about 15 minutes to get to the wall. You know, whatever. It's right up the yeah. road. Yeah, no worries. But there... So, there was Athens. Um,
0: and, and... We should also sorry to cut you off no, again, don't. but we should also mention that Carnea was only a Spartan celebration, so the rest of Greece could actually do battle at this they time. Were, they why, were. Which is why battle. the Battle of Artemisian is going on. It's just the Spartans were the closest to Thermopylae. They had the best chance of getting there to defend it. That's why Leonidas and they're the best warrior, like land uh cavalry warriors. Uh, in infantry, country, yeah, they're, they're yeah. the
1: best with, they're the best warriors.
0: Miles. I mean, because that's what they do. So they would have been the closest ones and the best suited to stop them in this tactical spot, uh, which we'll get into the tactics behind that. In oh bit, yeah. But.
1: Which is really fun whenever we get there. Um, yeah. so yeah, the, the Spartans, obviously a major, major player. Um, they're the ones who, along with Athens or is, uh, or, eritrea i want to say were the ones who threw you know the the emissaries into the to the basically to their deaths um so the spartans were now i read that
0: happened during the first that that part of it actually happened during the first invasion was it so yeah. that's what i read i could be wrong like this is all wikipedia and it's from a few days ago i didn't write that down but i thought that happened in the first invasion <laughs> like they sent the emissaries and they were like no you're not getting anything from us and in-
1: Threw down the well. I it's quite possible. It doesn't matter.
0: Um yeah. if it
1: I don't know, I maybe this would be misremembering, but either way you look at it, Spartan, Sparta had picked a fight. They sent mm-hmm. two of their own to like uh you know, atone for it, I guess. Um but right. they were they were the most badass motherfuckers on earth at that time when it came to close quarters, sword, you know, spear combat. Like they were great tacticians. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. They were excellent had the best technology well, and, for the time And
0: the upbringing of spartan men is something else that the movie gets mostly right that basically you're just thrown into battle from the day you're i don't know old enough to understand what yeah fighting exactly is. and
1: you, i mean you gotta uh, kill and people it's just battle
0: and battle and battle steals, yeah
1: it, it's not fun
0: i don't know about the whole thing about sending them out to to fight a wolf all alone like that might be a little um uh, in the snow, barefoot. Fabricated, <laughs> yeah, that might be fabricated. I, I, I don't know. I wasn't there, but for the most part, like just throwing them in to fight, and uh, babies who weren't perfect were kind of t- tossed aside.
1: They, they bred terminators, basically. Yeah, um, well-armored, well armored, you well know, trained terminators, and uh, that's kind of how I've always looked at the Spartans, which I find awesome. They got, the, you know, the best of the best armor. That's really their, like, entire GDP of the year. Sweet
0: six-pack eggs.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Enough to really, you know, have... It's kind of like the Batman nipples. They're just so serious. You got to have them, you know, (laughs) fitted around. And then the Persians, who as a, you know, people were just a conglomerate of, you know...
0: Yeah, they're mishmashes. Oh, everybody. Basically, every Asian region available at the, like, Persia... The Persian Empire reached mostly across Mm -hmm. Asia at the time. And
1: were... Obviously, comprised of some of the oldest peoples known to man, <laughs> they have knowledge, they have experience, they have size on their side. So it's a ve- right, and the Persians. Oh, sorry, I was go just going to say it's a very David and Goliath moment.
0: Mm-hmm. And the Persians had a propensity for figuring out who knew what and how to kind of play into whoever they were conquering strengths. So you you conquer. A region and you subjugate most of them, but you keep their leaders on as now your generals and things. And I don't know if this happened in real life either, but in the movie that that Xerxes, there's a moment where he basically says, you know, kneel now to Leonidas, kneel now, and you'll be a commander of the whole Persian infantry, basically. And. That 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 was something that the Persians did is they were very forward thinking and accepting of ideas from other cultures. They they wanted you to basically be their slaves, but they would accept your ideas and use them if they were better than the ideas they already
1: had. Well, not even that. They kind of absolutely that. I didn't mean to discount that. um, But it was it was very much a live and let live mentality, kind of like the Mongolians. Um, You can Mm -hmm. practice what religion you want. You could do what you want, but damn it, you had to pay your due to. The king, or you know, the leader, or whoever was in charge, whether it be Xerxes, Kublai Khan, it's they're very, right. very similar in that.
0: And and they pro- in both invasions, the first and the second, it, they promised the Greeks, you know, you can you can have your way of life, but you're ours. Yes,
1: we want and the, the Greeks money. weren't having. You we want the money in because invasions.
0: I think I think the Greeks could probably see that. Yeah, you say that now to get us to agree with you. But how long is that actually gonna last?
1: Absolutely, and
0: for for the majority of the people. It would last for people like Leonidas who had something to add to the Persians, mm-hmm. or some of the forward thinking Athenians, like that. Some people would, would stay around and get to live their life the way they want, but there would be a lot of people who would not get to live the life that, that they planned for.
1: Absolutely not. And no one wants to be owned. No one wants to answer to someone who hmm. is. That's strange. Well, absolutely. And I could not even imagine being, uh, you know, being held to a high standard by a foreign power who could basically kill me at any time they wanted if they don't like. You know, I'm basically, eh, you can stay if you want, you know? It's, yeah. it's, you brought the booze. You can hang out for a while. That weird guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> no one wants to be treated <laughs> that way. Especially not these these forward-thinking Western countries who, in their own right, have contributed amazing amounts to philosophy, history, stuff like that. They they stand on equal footing.
0: For the most part, yeah. And so, the the second invasion of Greece, I thought was super interesting of kind of why it happened. Mm -hmm. Because the first invasion, they're just basically trying to expand as much as they can expand and conquer as much as they can conquer. But – during the second invasion, it, it wasn't started by Xerxes. It was started by his father, Darius, before he died um, in a revolt from Egyptians, I yep. want to say.
1: E- e- 486 but, BC, I want to say.
0: Yeah, something like that. Uh, so basically, Darius wanted to just punish anyone who was involved in any revolt against his rule, uh, which this included the Greeks that had revolted during the Ionian revol- Revolt. Um, so the first Persian invasion of Greece, it failed at the Battle of Marathon. And basically, just in response to that, Darius is like, fuck this. I'm getting the biggest army I can ever get just for Greece. Watch me. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like, you know what? You guys want to, you guys want to revolt? Like, I'm coming at you with everything that, that can possibly be. And, uh well, it didn't work.
1: Still didn't work. And then Xerxes
0: work. finished Darius' job. Yeah. But basically, they, he was just petty. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't like you guys because you beat me. So now I'm going to beat you even harder.
1: Right. <laughs> um, I'm taking it. It's Tom <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I See, I like being the guy with the ball. Because when I left, I got to take the ball home. And no one could play. <laughs> That's what I felt like Darius and Xerxes to a great extent we're doing well
0: yeah Xerxes was definitely just like a petulant child like a a trust fund baby who's like well daddy
1: said that I need to do this so I'm gonna do it yeah watch me guy (laughs) I could see him just being a absolute shit and I'm even with the way Zack Snyder portrayed him in like 300 and how I've seen in you know just old books
0: I was actually a little disappointed with his portrayal in 300 yeah because I had read this book, and it it was basically told like he's this god like figure, like eight feet tall, like super big like basically Zion Williamson, but two feet taller and and just as intimidating, yeah no shit. and uh, <laughs> just not on the uh, one. like i just didn't I just didn't get that from the portrayal in three hundred. He was just like I guess he was more flamboyant.
1: he was very
0: than I expected odd. Um, Which I, kind of also goes with the the Persian style of like he he fashions himself a god, so he's going to do whatever the hell he wants and be who he wants. And as forward thinking, you know, the, he he reminded me more of like Oberyn Martell, like pansexual. I'm just going to do whatever the hell I that's want. Great analogy, actually. Yeah. Uh, that Once rather revenge. than just like this domineering figure of like that dude's fucking scary.
1: He's not a, he's not a Leonidas figure. He's not a, like a Thor type guy. who's just just right. feet tall blonde and gigantic muscles. He's, he's a more of a thinker. So um, I yeah. thought was cool. He's a ruthless thinker, but dude was a, a yeah, great.
0: disappointed is, is right. Cause anytime I've seen the movie since then, like I, I do like his portrayal in that movie. It just wasn't that it, Subverted my expectations when I went. I was expecting them to like put Shaq in there. Basically,
1: it was too much yet not enough at the same time. Yeah, is kind of how I looked at it. And Shaq would have been a terrible pick, but if they could have got gotten... no, oh no, no no not Shaq, <laughs> that be not, so not fun. actual Shaq. Somebody with the like stature of three- Shaq in three hundred. You see Shaq. Hey, <laughs> Leonidas. Hey, I, need you. I am Xerxes. Uh, Neil, bitch. <laughs> I uh, can see it. Uh, sorry. That was a tangent. Sorry, on my, Shaq. Yeah. Shaq, if you're listening, you the man.
0: I mean, go back to being Kazam, Shaq. You're good at that.
1: No, sir. You sucked.
0: And yeah, so <laughs> so going into this, you know, there's pretty high stakes for Greece and for Sparta and, and also for the conquering Persian Empire. Do you want to talk to that? Any?
1: Absolutely. It, you're 100% right where... Like we said before, this was a, a turning point for humanity. And mm-hmm. I think, I'd, obviously, what they wouldn't know is going to go down in history quite like this, but I think everybody involved knew this was a big deal. And, I mean... Greece and especially the Spartans they're they're fighting for dominance of the country. They are mm-hmm. a leading power. They don't want to be pushed to the side. They don't want to lose their way of life. Like we said, you know, it's
0: Well, yeah, it for for Sparta and for Greece as a whole, to them it was the death the would have been the death of free thinking.
1: It's like if someone parachuted into America and started saying, you know, eh, yeah, you guys are going to serve us. And like, if North Korea invaded America, mm-hmm. hell no, we would absolutely not stand for that shit. North
0: Korea would need a lot bigger army to uh, to live up to that analogy. But yeah, that's what it, that it's basically China. the same thing of China. like,
1: let's go with China. You're,
0: you're you're okay being here, but you're going to live the way we want you to, and you're going to think the way we want you to. And if you think outside of what we want you to, if we don't like it, then you, you're no good yep, to us. You're
1: done. So free thinking is allowed until we don't mm-hmm. like it, and then you're done. Pretty dead. much. Um, and, then, and so the Persians, oh, uh, well, I, I do want to say one more thing. Legacy. Mm-hmm. Every society wants to, you know, be a part of, you know, leave a lasting legacy. You think the Romans didn't want to be known forever? Or the Egyptians well, yeah, you don't or something like that?
0: Right. You don't want to be the ones responsible for the fall of your way of life. Hell
1: no. And this was viewed as that. And luckily it wasn't a one sided affair because I think, I I think Greece would have rolled Persia more than they, it wouldn't have had any stakes if Persia didn't have a stake in it as well. Because if they, if Mm -hmm. they lose to a bunch of cobbled together city states, from a society of people that they look at as unsophisticated and (laughs) barbarian-esque. And how would that, you know, you couldn't be an empire if you lost.
0: Well, because, right, the the Persians think they're forward-thinking and accepting of other cultures. And the way, at the time, the Greek city-states were set up is like Athens was the forward-thinking city-state. Sparta was the military city-state. You know, they they had all these different factions that basically did different mm-hmm. things. So the Persians thought that they were, as a whole, all of that combined. Yes. And to some extent they were, but also at the same time they weren't because you couldn't be too free-thinking in the Persian society without getting God. Yeah,
1: incurring the wrath of somebody. Yeah.
0: Yeah, right. Because if anyone was free thinking enough to go, well, maybe this dude isn't a god. Then, like, they're out. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Peace. Hey, you want to? You want to come behind this place and see a sharp thing I got? Come on over.
0: It it doesn't make sense that this dude is a god. Like, I saw him. I I saw his mother give birth to him. Like, just like the same way I saw this lady give birth to this kid. Like, there's no way he's a god because that doesn't make sense. That. You can't think that way in a in person. No,
1: and they—I mean—they'll do some crazy shit and wipe your entire family off the face of the earth, like
0: oh. yeah, pull some reigns of Castamere shit,
1: dude. I wonder if uh, Xerxes had his own reigns of Castamere that he played. I don't know. Yeah. Fuck up Greece, du- don't du- du- They just—they had a little anthem.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would it would just be full solely focused on, like, how they can beat Greece. Like, they're not even worried about anything else at this point. Egypt
1: sucks. Greece is worse. Uh, (laughs) uh, And (laughs) a lot of tambourines and probably some, you know, some bells of some kind. That'd be fascinating.
0: Well, and another thing kind of at stake for the Persians here, Greece was kind of a gateway to the rest of Europe.
1: Yes, and...
0: Greece is, you know, kind of in the, in the southern portion of Europe. If my geography is correct, I'm not great at geography. But if you conquer Greece, you get their armies, which were vast and good. And you also get a gateway to the rest of Europe. Yes, you, absolutely. you find, you find ways in and you, you have the, you have the Spartans who you let them continuing living their way of life and raising warriors. So now you have an army of great warriors. You also have them teach your armies how to fight the way they fight. Uh, the Athenians had a great army and a great navy as well. You inherit that as, as you conquer Greece. So, I mean, there was more to it than Persia just being petty and mad yes. that they revolted. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they were mad and petty because they revolted. Also.
1: That was their. I think the the gateway to the the western part of Europe. I want to say was mm-hmm. almost a secondary concern because oh my god, the Greeks besmirched my father's legacy and his honor. I gotta redeem. I gotta make my legacy better again. I gotta patch that up. But you're hundred percent right, dude. If they if they got through Greece most of those societies were pretty primitive at the time still you know compared to these warring mm-hmm. powers but but still i can't imagine we would never have so much free thinking we probably never had the crusades <laughs> but we'd never have the renaissance either
0: that might be okay
1: yeah these
0: crusades weren't always uh, as great as robin hood makes them out to be no Shout out Kevin Costner. <laughs> so you know we're we're like halfway through this thing. Should we actually talk about the battle at some point?
1: Definitely, yeah. dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the Spartans took to. They decided that they were going to take the fight closer to the Persians. They weren't just going to wait where they were. They wanted to go to Thermopylae, the the south side of Thermopylae, uh, where this uh, yes. structure called the Hot Gates lies. And the hot gates is this narrow passageway uh with kind of a wall built into one side. And then if you get far, far enough over to the wall, it's basically just cliffs that mm-hmm. you'll, it, it's not a sheer cliff like they show in the movie, but it's still like cliffs and valleys. Like it's not stable ground once you kind of get off to the side of the wall. So this was a very strategic position for them yep. because they could use their smaller numbers to their advantage at that point and kind of block this area off. Uh, they, so they, they got the hot gates, they got the cliffs, and then, uh, there's an interesting, on the mountains to the other side, there's a pass that could be used to outflank the Greece, <laughs> the Greeks, uh, have, if somebody were to find Sons it, somehow.
1: but they, I don't, know. they I, don't, I don't know how that would perfect happen. Perfect place we'll, to, we'll look into that. um, well, they, they <laughs> knew like you said, they were going to want to roll yeah, they up know Greece, doing. so that was the place to do it. That was access to southern Greece. Off the cliffs was the sea, um, you know, at a distance, so the Athenians parked right there. Yeah, they had, <laughs> they had a blockade. Just, yep. You can't get in through the sea, and if you're in that funneled place, that takes away the Persians' best mm-hmm. units, which are their cavalry. Right. their
0: Their numbers don't count for anything. When... In an open field, when you have ten thousand versus seven thousand, and we'll get into the the actual numbers on each side, like like the ten thousand is going to overwhelm the seven thousand in uh, quite easily because you can flank and and do all that stuff. But when mm-hmm. right, but when you're going ten thousand against seven thousand, and the seven thousand have their backs to walls, you can't get around. You have to go head to head with them, so you can only fight. You know that that front line versus that front line. You can't do anything else. You
1: got to go through them.
0: Right. Which is tough. Yeah, that's hard, especially with how the Greeks fight. So let's talk numbers on each side. What what did you find for the Persians?
1: Okay, for the Persians, um, and this is from Herodotus to basically every other. So 2.6 million men was was Herodotus Herodotus said. Um, 4 million was another one by a contemporary. Mm -hmm. Most people. Let it fall on between one hundred and twenty thousand to three hundred thousand. Yeah, that's
0: where modern scholars are. Yeah, right in that, I'm
1: I'm okay. going with a, around a hundred thousand. I I don't even think it's that high. Does that just be impossible? The logistics of that in ancient times? No way. No yeah. way.
0: So yeah, my my note was anywhere from one hundred and twenty thousand to four million people in the Persian army, depending on who you ask. You know, it's yes, uh, it's
1: exactly. Depending
0: on, on which way you're ra- if you're people. rounding up or down.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Just <laughs> round up a few, you know, make it sound cool. But the the Spartans were seven, roughly seven. Well, the Greeks 7, were 7,000 strong. Yeah, Spartans absolutely. were so, the
0: three hundred. The three hundred Spartans went there.
1: Well, it's the the three hundred Spartan hoplites. So they're like the the, the warriors. Basically, they're the, they're the hardest warriors. They're the ones with all the body armor and the you know all the training. But there was also um, the the lack of de- lacedaemonians is basically just greeks right and so they were joined on the way by by quite a few people from all throughout greece it's kind of ridiculous i mean you got the the rest of the spartans the Mantineans, the tegians the arcadians which you hear about Mm -hmm. um and 50 other things but the big ones are the phocians Yep. The Arcadians and the Lacedaemonians slash three hundred Spartans. Those are your big, big players, specifically because those Phocians were the one thousand set to
0: pronouncing ancient Greek words.
1: Yes, yes. Most of it comes from Dan Carlin's hardcore history. I had to uh, (laughs) like you you sent me the outline
0: for this and Mm -hmm. you to your credit, you spelled Thermopylae correctly, and I'm like, that can't be right, and I have to, I had to Google it, and I've, I've looked at the word Thermopylae like a hundred times probably, and I was like, ah, no, that, he didn't spell it right. Let me look it up, and it, you had it right.
1: I misspell it all the time. Yeah, it's still. a very
0: easy word to misspell. Well, shit, son,
1: this is America. I don't want to spell stuff like that. I spelled it that way, so that's how it's spelled, damn it. <laughs> I seen it that way. <laughs> I seen I seen you kill someone with your bare hands. I sent it. <laughs> but the <laughs> you mentioned a uh you know, something that possibly could undo the the Spartan force if they you know possibly got behind, a pass, if you will. Are we gonna um, talk about that now? Uh we can throw it out there if you want. No, no, that was let weird. me let me say this. So there we've established there's a pass. Yep. The Phocians just- were set to guard oh, that right. pass. Yeah. That's uh, so they're you know they're responsible for this. Fo- those mind, potions y'all. like
0: their sleep. Let's you know they they were a groggy type.
1: They were a bit groggy and you know, they're bitches.
0: <laughs> they were no Spartans. We'll say that.
1: No. So if you look at it this way, it's basically you have your all-star point guard, and then he's got you know your your rest of your starting five who are you know maybe. I don't know. Really good. You know, you could win J- the finals with him. JJ
0: Reddick's gotta be on your team. All right. And that's who the Fotions were. They're JJ Reddick. They're specialists. They didn't belong protecting the past by themselves. Let's say that.
1: Mm, they're more Jimmer for de- Jimmer for debt. <laughs> I'm going with that one. You,
0: you can't put JJ Reddick on LeBron James and expect him to defend. Can't put or Jimmer Rose for
1: on LeBron James. <laughs> I'm still bitter about uh <laughs> Bulls losing to the, the Cavs. That's a different story. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's let's not talk about, you know, let's not get too deep in the weeds there. Let's talk about the Greeks' tactics versus the Persians' tactics, how they expected to fight. Uh, how about you go over what the Greeks do did, and I'll go over what the Persians
1: did. Just Sounds good. Mix it up um, you touched on what the Greeks, you know, their tactic of being in a defensive position. And for once, they weren't mm. the attacking force. Obviously, you're outnumbered. So, they played the – they rope a them. They played the long game. They made their numbers count for nothing. They made sure they, you know, quote unquote, couldn't be flanked. They picked the best geographical mm-hmm. position. There's not much else you could do to play a defensive, you know, play defensive scheme.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, like they defended the hot gates set. That, that was their spot. And then with the the Greek phalanx, like there was no, no way through that.
1: I obviously missed that. I shouldn't. Have. But the phalanx was their most famous tactic. And when it's in, you know, when it's tight and it's sound and they can basically not focus on being flanked twenty four seven, you can. It's just water on rock, man. It you will cut mm-hmm. them down constantly. It's the best defensive, you know scheme in most of ancient combat next to like the Roman legions. They basically stole from the phalanx too.
0: The Unsullied as well in Game of Thrones. Yes. We got a lot yep. of Game of Thrones uh, teasers in here, if you will. Dun, uh, dun, dun. Yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> but the phalanx is just basically in the way they overlap their shields, and then they layered their spears, and they they used these super thick and, and lar- oversized shields, and then their spears were kind of extra long, and with the way that they set up and protected each other's sides, the, the Persians couldn't get through because they could, their spears were so long that they could attack at long, long range. Persians had shorter spears or swords that couldn't, they couldn't beat them in hand to hand combat. Basically. Uh, I read a few other things uh, that the Greeks did. They actually, because they didn't have to use everyone at once in their defensive position, they were able to rotate Rotate. in and out units to prevent fatigue. So this is where like hockey shifts came from. Like, you know hockey coaches they watch the uh the Greek phalanx and are like hey we can do that just move people in and out let's get it
1: but i mean isn't that so cool that they they had the the wherewithal to do something like that so they wearing the armor they got and 300 fucked this up so bad they're not Yeah cuz they don't wear any armor. In, yeah. Th- these dudes are covered head to toe in co- you know copper bronze armor. Mm. And that stuff back then was tough basically if if the Persians weren't up close firing arrows at them, those were completely useless, and they had yep. giant shields, which protected the man next to them as well as themselves. And they're, they were so good with spears, it's ridiculous. Because that's the, the focus of the phalanx. So, I mean, they precision Yeah, the shields, the
0: shields only do so good. Like, at some point, you have to actually attack the people who are attacking you also. So, yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're very good with spears, and they had... They had spearmen, you know, kind of further back in the phalanx that could it accurately hit people, you know, on the front lines, uh, at the enemies on the front lines. So it was it was the people on the front lines, you know, basically stabbing at the the other team, for lack of a better word, because <laughs> I'm not doing good with words right now. And there was also people further back that could throw the spears as well. And then okay. I even read at one point, uh, this is when the immortals were attacking, and I'll get into what the immortals are and things like that in a minute. They uh the Greeks. Ran a fake retreat and then just yes. turned around and started attacking them.
1: Yes, which I was the, like, that that's pretty funny. Well, I mentioned the Mongolians earlier. That's mm-hmm. where they got this idea from. Is the Greeks were masters at feigning retreat and then while they're chasing you, basically turning, setting the phalanx, and just slaughtering just the shit up. out of them. And when Set you have a force yeah. of of that many coming at you. Forward momentum's a bitch, dude. You're falling on that spear like mm-hmm. they didn't have to do much, and that is that's incredible that a force of seven thousand can just take on concurrent wave after wave after wave of of men.
0: Yeah. So how the Persians attacked? Uh, their Their first attack was uh, Xerxes sent out five thousand archers to just bombard them with arrows, and they just bounced off the armor pretty yep. much, and not not effective.
1: At hundred yards think, away,
0: hundred meters away. Yeah, and it mm. just
1: Nothing. It is meters, yes. So yeah. three hundred yards. That's that's really not that far when you think about it.
0: Uh so then once that didn't work, he sent uh basically frontal assault after frontal assault in waves of ten thousand men after again, there's only seven thousand on the other side that are rotating in and out as as you go. Well, there's really down to six thousand because the F- the Philotians are gone. What are, what do we call them? Phocians. Phocians. They're they're gone. They're not they're not attacking, so it's only like six thousand Greek at this point. Um, just fending off wave after wave of 10,000 men. So With that's backups. not working. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not working. So then they send in the immortals and these are the elite core of the, the Persian army. And in the the movie, they use like magic and shit, which probably not true that I don't think they went to Hogwarts or anything like that. Uh, but, but they were super dope fighters. Like they, they knew what yes. they were doing. They they were these advanced. were the Spartans of the Persian military and mm-hmm. again, super this, experienced. This is a, a group of ten thousand men going after a much smaller group. Can't can't do anything there. And that's no, so no, that's I... on day one. It's just wave after wave. Day two starts. Uh there's uh, we probably should have mentioned this at some point. The standoff lasted seven days with three days of actual battle. Mm-hmm. So the first the first four and a half days were just like sitting at each other staring at each other.
1: Yeah. So dude, you gonna do something? Yeah. What's up, bro?
0: So then on day two, uh, Xerxes sends, uh, I think, like one or two more waves. They get bounced back. They, he thought, you know, the, they'll be tired by now. They they yeah. don't have that many men. They'll be worn down. We'll be able to get through.
1: The first day S- took a toll.
0: Yes, yeah. Still doesn't fucking happen. Sorry, Xerxes. Mm-mm. These guys <laughs> are out. So he actually withdraws his troops uh, and, and just he, he just stops. He's like, all right, let's regroup. Let's figure something else out. And that's when he's approached by this dude, Ephialtis
1: fel the piece of shit. Yeah, fuck that guy. Um, he, he was the one who informed them of the past that the went behind pass. the Greeks. Yep.
0: Yep. And uh, so Felts has now been turned into, I don't want to say a swear word, but basically it means nightmare in the Greek language now.
1: Yes. And So it's
0: kind of like uh, how we would refer to someone as a Benedict, Benedict Arnold.
1: That's a f- yeah. great Same analogy, thing. dude. Jesus Christ. Yes, That's fantastic.
0: Bad with words, but good with analogies today. Uh, so they sent. So after learning <laughs> about the the mountain pass, um, from Rob Stark and his dire wolf, they send twenty thousand men up the mountain pass to attack whoever's waiting, or to basically encircle to outflank the Greeks. Yes, and that's where we get back to our uh, sleeping Phocians.
1: our Phocian brethren. They were caught off guard so hard.
0: They heard some and- rustling in the woods and decided yeah.
1: to, they needed to mount up. Hey, what's that? they were like then, the ghost hunters. Yeah. What's that? Did
0: you hear that? So they retreat back to a, a, like a little further off, and uh, the the way the Persians got past them is they shot arrows at them. Yeah, and <laughs> then just and then just kept going. Like yep. they didn't they didn't shoot arrows to attack them. They shot arrows to make them think that there was an attack coming, and then they just didn't attack. They just fucking went down their path.
1: Peace. And yeah, so they they circumnavigated them pretty. You know the Fox are yeah, the Fox are really the, the star lord of this this group. They're dicks. Uh they they got pinned down. Spider Man had the in a, Infinity Gauntlet off, Quill. Just leave yes. him alone. See my Twitter at alone underscore podcast and you will see my feelings on Peter. It's Quill. all part of the plan. It's all part bastard. Of the plan. Uh <laughs> so they, you know, they shot arrows at him, and they hid behind some rocks. Basically, they're like, "Man, we're really sleepy." And this they guy weren't the guys hiding behind at the
0: rocks—they were defending the rocks. They needed a better position to defend from, so they got—they went off the path to make sure that they could defend the path. Yeah.
1: Obviously. <laughs> After you, sir. <laughs> I, I got to defend over here. This much, yeah. uh, never.
0: Don't trust <laughs> the phocians.
1: Yeah, bastards. You know, if a Fotion person, if they still exist, here's this. We're going to get some hate mail.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And unless you're, I mean, if you're a, a descendant of F.E.L.T.'s, then we're going to just say fuck you as well. Yeah. Uh, but that was really that was the turning point of the war.
1: Yes. Them and... finding
0: the past, the past, and I, I, I said Rob Stark earlier that I, that's kind of what Rob did in the Song of Ice and Fire books with Grey Wind. He Grey Wind. While Rob Stark is sleeping, would go and find these kind of paths that nobody else would know. He'd find hunting paths and things like that because he's a wolf and can move. And yeah. because Rob Stark may have some otherworldly pl- powers, he can see what Wind's seeing while he sleeps.
1: He has some dreams that tell him, you know, how to win wars. Yeah. And unfortunately, this was the undoing of the Greeks. They, yep. um, they just they didn't give credit where credit was due. Um, you know that if they're trying to blow through you, anyways, if they find a you can't defend 20,000 men th- through that, and Leonidas knew he was fucked, held a quick war council, and said, all right, y'all, most of you gotta bounce. Yeah, he You'll, said, if you, you want
0: to go, you can go, and mm-hmm. to his credit, there's, there's a lot debate. of people stayed.
1: There's yeah. well, there's yeah, debate about whether he told them to go, or whether he ordered them to go, which... Or whether they just went. Yeah, which I, I'm sure it was probably a combination of all three. I can tell you three. what, the
0: Phocians, they just left. They, they didn't give a shit
1: they never were seen again. They just kind of, they ghosted themselves because they're such assholes. But after after they held their war council, um, you're right. Quite a few men stayed behind nearly 2000 is what, uh, what I Mm -hmm. read um, comprising of, you know, all kinds of different people. Yeah. And then they, on that last
0: day for their last stand, they, they actually met the Persians out in open field battle, they they weren't defending the hot gates anymore at this point. They basically wanted to go down in a last stand. Uh, they some you know some people say it was to allow time for the the Greeks who were escaping to escape and and go back and tell their stories. Some say it was to create like a rear guard for them. They, you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot. Of, others just say like they're tired of fighting. Like there's a lot of different theories on why they did this. But I I think it it's kind of a probably a combination of everything.
1: Absolutely, I think. They, three thousand or however many survived, that were able to get away. That, that's people they can fight another day. Now, anything smaller than the two K men that, that remain probably would have been a, a completely ineffective rear guard. So it's it's I, I always struggle with it. Would that still happen today? Like I, I I know there's acts of bravery to save a comrade, but to have the wherewithal as a unit on the ground like that comprised of people already at war with each other, most likely, you know, between Greek city-states and having the wherewithal to go, okay, there's the big picture here. I got to stay and die. <laughs> this yeah. sucks.
0: Well, and they, they have this this adage of, you know, come back wearing your shield or on it, which was a real Spartan adage at the time. Uh, so that, that that's kind of what they looked as spartans that's what they looked forward to i don't know if all of the uh different greeks looked forward to that but definitely the no, spartans not. did
1: absolutely and then luckily they got their their glorious end
0: yes they did. they did they did they did most of them well i guess all of them all yeah all of them died
1: all the ones that stayed behind yeah. <laughs> a lot <laughs> and- of people died there well, it's, unfortunately, they couldn't remi- you know they came out to to fight an open battle, so Xerxes was able to use his cavalry, well, yeah,
0: they just and fucked over they just after that closed in on they had him fully encircled, they just closed in on him it it was kind of like again, back to Game of Thrones, like the Battle of the bastards before the Vale army shows mm-hmm. up, it just collapses down on the the Greeks at that point,
1: yeah, and God, that would be so that would be a shitty way to die, just yeah. basically standing there waiting to get killed.
0: The, the movie does a much better job of like we're just going to stand here and get shot with a bunch of fucking arrows. Yeah, that's, that's a little better.
1: It's a free um, for all, and we're getting shot. So yeah, we and lose. we've
0: ta- we've talked a lot about three hundred. We're not going to talk about the sequel at all because it was bad, and I couldn't even this tell you the what worst happened. Movie I've ever. Watched. Yeah, it was well, that's that might be going a little far. There's I've seen worse <laughs> movies. Hey now, hey. I've seen a lot of bad movies, um, but it, it was mostly forgettable. Not very good. We won't talk about it because it, it and it doesn't deal with this battle at all, anyways. No, uh, so let's just talk a little bit real life, quote unquote, you know, as much as scholars think happened versus what happened in the movie. Uh, that the main thing is that there are a lot more Greeks there, obviously.
1: Yes, um, they they really hyper, I would, it sounds weird to say it, but they hyper sexualized it, like they made oh, it yeah. romantic and, um, they inflated quite a quite a bit, but when you look at the facts, it's still fascinating, and mm-hmm. they they were pretty spot on with a lot of stuff, surprising amounts of stuff.
0: Yeah, and the the other thing that they they kind of fudged a little bit, and and I I can get why they did this is the kind of the Persian monsters and magic uh, coming at them, and I think a lot of that is probably rooted in the fact that these stories were told from. Pre- Kind of like the movie is done, it's told by a survivor, Mm -hmm. telling the rest of the army, trying to build them up to go fight for their king. So, you embellish that. You make it sound like the odds were much worse. And I think for a lot of these Spartans, like, they had probably never seen somebody over six foot eight. So, a seven foot tall person is going to look like a giant.
1: Oh, especially uh, when they're like 5'3", 5'4". Yeah. Right,
0: exactly. You, they've never seen an elephant. So, an elephant's going to look like a monster. at that. Elephants and rhinos are going to look huge in comparison to anything that they've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's, it's emphasized, but all of these monsters are kind of rooted in real life things. It was just, you know, embellished a little bit and over-exaggerated because to somebody who's never seen an elephant, like, that would be a crazy fucking thing to witness. Oh,
1: absolutely. And you kind of have to add the, the some other embellishment somewhere because you can't re- – crossing the Hellespont was a bitch, and the, the Persians tamed the Hellespont. That's a hell of a thing. I'm sure the Spartans were like, holy fuck, dude, he just walked over here. He walked, man. <laughs> and they were they were probably freaking out. So you can't really show that on a movie and people being like no. you know, they really they really did a good job. Um the Hellespont, if you didn't know, is really uh, persnickety. It'll oh. fuck you up.
0: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> persnickety, I like that. So let's get into the aftermath of the battle. What happened? What, what do we get from this battle? The, the victor of the battle. Who won it? Who won? Who won the battle?
1: <laughs> Who won it? It was uh, obviously. All the Greeks died. So the Greeks as a whole won this battle. Um, they. I don't know that they won the battle. Well, they definitely didn't win the battle. They win in the end. Um, they, they win the actually. The war. If you know, they did win this battle because they showed that the Persians can be show, that can be slowed and they can suffer. Yeah,
0: it was you know, like when Rocky cut losses. Ivan Drago that first time. Really,
1: yes, he is a man. He bleeds. That's yeah. what they won, and I mean that's a uh, that's a hell of a thing when you're looking. You know, you're across from a impenetrable, undefeatable force. If you can make them bleed. You can make them suffer.
0: Yeah, they, they'd never been defeated in battle. I mean, they'd probably been defeated in smaller battles, but for the most part, they conquered whoever they wanted to conquer. And a big thing for for the Greeks, even though literally all of them that stayed behind died, mm-hmm. it the seven days of this battle held them back enough for the blockade in Artemisian to work. And for the rest of the Spartans, because they fought, the rest of the Spartan army could then go regroup with other Greeks and— create a real Greek army to stand up to the Persians. And it gave them enough time to do those things. Had they not held this last stand at Thermopylae, the the Greeks would have just been scattered and they wouldn't have been able mm-hmm. to kind of come together to in the end, eventually defeat the Persians.
1: Yeah. It was the first instance of that really in history where they, as an entire nation, you know, rose up to defeat the enemy when before, you know, just a couple months ago, they're separate city-states fighting amongst themselves for power on a landmass. Right. That's, that's crazy.
0: So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what came of it. The, the Greeks got to hold on to their free thinking. I mean, a little bit disheveled at this point, but they got to hold on to their free thinking ways of life for the most part. Um, the Spartans, I don't think, ever really fully recovered from that, though. And they kind of started to get on a decline after that.
1: Uh, well, it, after the, they defeated the lion in the room. So they never really needed, uh, to be as, as great anymore. And I think you're right. They lost a lot. They, they bled a lot in the future battles. They, they lost a ton of the male population. You can never really bring that back. But I, I, I want to say that they probably rode on, um, you know, word of mouth quite a bit. Like, oh mm-hmm. shit, that's a Spartan. If you, if they weren't already badass, yeah, I'm sure they shit,
0: never had to buy a drink
1: in in the in the
0: opinion uh, bar no. Ever
1: again. No, and they had plenty of dates on Tinder. They were yeah. ready to go.
0: It's like the dude who who hits the the game winner in March Madness. Like, yeah, he's not going to the NBA, but he got his team to the elite eight. So you know, he doesn't ever have to buy a drink in this town again.
1: Damn right. Yeah.
0: Um, and, and that's, you know, there are a lot of great battles throughout history. A lot of them stand up to the test of time. This is one of those that, you know, despite being over 2,500 years ago, it, give or take. It, people still know about it. People still talk about it. You know, we ran a poll on Twitter earlier that got some votes, not as many as I would have liked, but it got some votes. And a lot of people had learned a bit from 300. A lot of people learned a bit from school and in other ways. So like people are still learning about this, even though you don't learn about, I couldn't name one battle that the Roman empire, you know, held. But I, I know about this, so it's something mm-hmm. that that continues throughout history as as a teaching point. Why do you think that is?
1: It's it's a it's an allusion to the glory of the Western culture, David versus Goliath. I mean, mm-hmm. bravery in the face of story. sure defeat, standing up to the corrupt, sticking to your guns. There's euphemisms on euphemisms on euphemisms. I think, especially as you know, Americans, it really speaks to a lot of what we you know hold dear to us and at the same time where do you think we we got those from shit like this like it's it's amazing that it's such a bastion of history mm-hmm. and everybody sees a little bit of themselves and i'm sure every pretty much everyone on earth shares some sort of value with what one side or the other was fighting for
0: right and not only was it you know david versus, versus goliath you know 300 300- Versus million, because when the story is told, it's always told as three hundred stood up to millions or to tens of thousands, you know, whatever. It it's not ever told of well it was seven thousand versus a hundred thousand. It, mm-hmm. It's three hundred versus a hundred thousand at least, and you know, so so that all that sound that's just a great starting point for any story you want to tell. Absolutely, uh, and Leonidas you know,
1: and the brave three hundred. Right, it,
0: it Game of Th- or a Song of Ice and Fire even borrows from that with the Unsullied they're they're kind of a mirror to the Spartans. They had a basically a last stand like this at Carth where um I want to say it was the Yunkish were trying to invade Carth. The Carthine had hired Unsullied and the Unsullied were greatly outnumbered but held a last stand down to the last man and that basically wore out the much greater Yunkish army. So it it stands up the, the storytelling framework stands up to current and historical storytelling. It's a good story to tell when you can tell that a lot versus a little and the little wins. And not only that, it, it was free thinking winning over slavery, Mm -hmm. the free thinkers, the, the army of free thinkers were able to defeat the army of slaves.
1: Yeah. Cause fuck that. It, the, no one wants to be subjugated. Right. Freedom is freedom is the most beautiful Deep, thing ever. Right. Deep <laughs> down,
0: know? when you're fighting, if you're fighting for your way of life versus you're fighting because somebody's holding a gun to your head saying you need to fight, the person who's fighting for their way of life has more motivation to preserve their way of life. The guy with a gun to his head figures, I'm going to die either way, so why am I going to put my
1: all into this? Mm. Yeah, no so. thanks. No one wants to do that.
0: No, you got anything else on the Battle of Thermopylae? The movie Three Hundred, uh, the the movie Meet the Spartans, anything like that?
1: Never saw Meet the, the Spartans. Spartans. Um, I watched I it.
0: I couldn't tell you one joke from it.
1: That I was gonna say. I heard it was absolute garbage. Garbage. Yeah. Um, I watched it.
0: I can't th- see that movie is worse than the Three Hundred sequel. So there you go. There's one right there.
1: Yep. There you go. You win. You have proven me wrong. sir. I mean, there's some cool action scenes in that Three Hundred movie, but it's yeah. That's I don't, about all that saves it. I I don't know anything about the battle that it was about for the most part. Like it's it's something that's not really on my radar, so it's it doesn't have as much meaning to me. Um, because after your second, third, fourth, fifth watch of three hundred, you're like, holy shit! So much of this is accurate that it's it's
0: scary. Well, and I'd much rather go back and just watch three hundred again than well, watching this I mean- bad sequel
1: it's super good and it's the hyper stylized action it's mm-hmm. got uh you know i was a teenager when i first saw that so i was just like holy shit this is crazy
0: well, yeah and knowing dudes. nothing about Zack snyder and how he killed watchmen and uh sucker punch and you know the justice league stuff like if if you were to say like somebody who's only known Zack snyder in the last Seven years. If you were to be like, no, you got to watch this movie about this twenty five hundred year old battle. The dude from Justice League did it, but trust me, it's good. Like nobody's gonna buy into that. But at the time, mm-hmm. Zack Snyder was kind of this unknown quantity, and this was the first movie that looked like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was such a huge movie that changed the game. It
0: and it's so the the scenes are so beautiful and the the over stylized um action like you said is is just amazing and the it, just the freeze frames that they pull off throughout the slow motion is done perfectly like there's a lot of good filmmaking in it i i don't know if good filmmaking is the right word but
1: i think beautiful right,
0: yeah. and exciting filmmaking at least
1: yeah, it's good cinematography and they, right
0: uh, i mean it's they, not gonna win an oscar but no it looks cool and i want to i want to see it
1: well that's in my head that's the type of shit that I imagine when this battle's going down. You everybody does that. Right. It's it's fun to think about what what happened there. And um I got a movie to watch that's pretty cool and sweet that you yeah. know, that puts me in that mindset.
0: Yeah, totally agree. That's all we got for the Battle of Thermopylae.
1: Absolutely. If you if guys have any ha- questions, holler at us.
0: Or just general thoughts on why we suck or are great. Love those too. We're pretty great. Yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> Maybe our like, if if you have more fun facts about the Battle of Thermopylae that we didn't cover, or we got something completely w- wrong, let us know. We're on Twitter at apa something and at uh, alone underscore podcast.
1: Yep, at alone underscore podcast.
0: There we go. That's it. Uh, you can always email us at a podcast about something at gmail dot com, and uh, we're you know we're we're out there.
1: We're out there. Hit us up. We've, got, we we've gotten a lot of
0: good uh, conversations going lately, and I'm, I like that. I like getting good conversations. So if you listen and you have thoughts, just throw them at us. We'll probably talk to you about it because the, the, we already talked about it for an hour. We can talk more on it, obviously.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm always game to interact with you guys. We We love the fact you're listening, and we appreciate it so very, very much.
0: Yeah, if you're on iTunes, make sure you rate and review. You can support the show through Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash podcast about something. There is a donut. (laughs) I'm going to call it a donut button every time. I'm just going to change it to a donut button, so I'm not wrong. There's a (laughs) donate button on our website on the About Me page where you can just do a one-time donation. Any little bit helps. And uh, like I said before, we're probably going to get some merch going. Also make sure you check out the Seinfeld the one shining Seinfeld moment bracket that will be going on through April 8th and uh, there's still room to vote for I think there's three more rounds to vote on so keep tuned to that it's on it's on Twitter all the day there's links and everything there so check that out need as many votes as we can get gotta get George to the finish line let's do it the music for a podcast about something is provided by those cats
1: you guys uh stay sassy
0: stay classy
1: we now return control of this feed to the original owner thank you for your cooperation